0: Thank you for downloading Kingdom Culture with Danny and Danette Taylor. Recorded October 19th through the 21st, 2018 at House of Hope in Cranbrook, BC, Canada. We pray that this will be a blessing to you as you listen.
1: Well, thanks for coming back. I Hope you enjoyed this morning. I got some good feedback. And um, I've got this vision issue. I have contacts that are now bifocal, but... They only do the mid and the distance. They don't help me with my near, so I have to rely on glasses for the near. So fun. Okay. We good? So, I've been trying to figure out how we're going to go today. And um, I've got a couple words I might just kind of... Meshed together but you know as we were talking earlier about raising kids and you know in life you just you know you just want to do it right i don't know i just want to do it right i want to i don't want to make mistakes i want to do it right and so you know i'm i read and i listen and i watch and i like how are you doing it and how are you doing it how are you doing it what can i learn what can i learn so i came across this on on uh i guess it was instagram yesterday and um I don't know. I enjoyed it. Maybe you'll enjoy it. I don't know. But it's just the simple way to lose weight. So lifelong issue, you know. <laughs> lifelong issue. I only wish that when I was 50 pounds thinner, I really believed I was thin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, to be there again. Like, that would be so awesome. But in my head, I was not. And so I, these titles, you know, get my attention. So, simple ways to lose weight. Eat five small meals per day and run. Also, eat only breakfast and dinner and walk. And also eat lots of protein and lift and don't do any cardio. It's bad for your joints. Also, keep, don't eat too much protein and make sure you're getting a lot of sleep. But don't be sedentary. And don't be too active. It's bad for your blood pressure. Make sure, you replace all, all, uh, make sure you replace all your lost salt, but never eat too much sodium. It's easy. Just eat vegetables. Don't eat potatoes, though, or corn. Fruit is obviously good for you, and also it's all sugar, and it's bad for you. <laughs> Sugar. I forgot to mention the vital source of quick burning carbohydrates that your brain needs to survive. And you should avoid it at all costs. Protein is hurting your kidneys. Make sure you eat a lot of it. Drink water. Never starve yourself unless you're doing intermittent fasting. <laughs> it just goes on. It's like one thing contradicts another. And so I'm like, it's, isn't it like that? It's like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then you turn around and somebody goes, oh no, don't do that. That's bad. That's not good for you. And it just, it's not just diet, but it's like raising your kids and, you know, having a prayer life or just whatever you're trying to go after. And so what is the key? What's the key? What's the real key? The key is what do you, what's God saying to you? What does your body need? What works for you? What works for your neighbor may not work for you because we've got genetics. We've got all sorts of stuff that's going on and what works for someone else may not work for you. So the key is Go to the source. I'm actually, um, you know, I think I've tried every diet out there over the years. And um, some, you know, I get a little success. And I get super proud of myself, so I go eat something I shouldn't eat. (laughs) So, rewarding myself. Um, And so, uh, I'm sure I'm on this. Well, I'm not on it yet, but... um, (laughs) I don't know what it is yet. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's coming my way. I can just feel it. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is going to be fun. So it's called, there's a, a program. Well, it's not, it's a group that's, it's scientific. So um, <laughs> it's got to be good, right? <laughs> um, so they are doing these studies where they send you you, you do a DNA sample, you do blood samples, and you do this glucose drink, and then you do blood samples after it, and you send all this information to them, and then they send you back what your body says about you, and how it processes food, and what it needs, and stuff, and um, so I'm waiting for my results, that's what I mean, it's on its way, (laughs) I'm waiting for my results for it to tell me probably what I already know, and my biggest fear is it's going to tell me to do stuff that I really don't want to do, and the reason I haven't done it yet is because I don't want to do it, and so (laughs) I'm not, I'm kind of got mixed feelings about getting results. But it's on its way. But I'm trying to find out what does my body need. That's the bo- That's what I'm really trying to say is I'm trying to find out what is it that I need. Because I've tried what other people have done and what worked for others. And i tried it, it. didn't work for me. And then I just feel like a failure. And then when you feel like a failure, you just want to eat carbs, you know, So which is what you shouldn't be eating. <laughs> so it's this vicious cycle in life. And that's where some of us are at. So um, one of the things that I got was... Uh, as I was preparing, I, I felt like I got this scripture. It's a Proverbs seventeen seventeen, and it says, a friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. And you know how you just read stuff? You know, you read like, I, we used to read Proverbs, like, you know, every month, you know, Proverb the day, the day of the month and read Proverbs all the time. And you read Proverbs and you're like, hmm, I like that one, but I don't like that one. <laughs> you know, this is good stuff. This is bad stuff. And there's seasons in my life where I related more to the bad stuff than the good stuff. And then that was disheartening, you know, <laughs> so that didn't work well. But so I was thinking about this and I, and I said, Holy Spirit, what, why is this being highlighted to me? And I felt like there's two sides. And one side is a brother is born for adversity. What I heard out of that was um, the family unit is God's design. We are conceived out of love. Denny talked about last night. We're con- we were conceived. The conception of us, who we are, was conceived out of the Godhead being so in love that we became who we are. And, and they knew. They knew us. So, um, so family is God's idea. So when we're born into a family and we're blessed enough to have siblings, it's in that element that we learn how to learn life. God's idea is family is that place that you create to train up a child in the way they should go. And I know some of us here are not raising our kids anymore, but, um, but this is still, but hold on, don't, don't, don't lose me yet. Um, that's where we learn how to handle disappointments. That's where we learn how to handle disagreements when things don't work well. When we get hurt, how do we forgive? That's the element, that's the, the nucleus that God's given us, the platform of how do we work life out? We work it out with our brothers, our siblings, the people who are closest to us, because the people who are closest to us see us in our real state. I can be up here and I can present whatever I want to you, but that doesn't mean you really know who I am. If you are near me when I haven't eaten when I should eat (laughs) or I haven't had my morning coffee or, you know, or, you know, there's a trap. You don't have traffic here, do you? Well, there's places where (laughs) if you're in Calgary and you have traffic, you you know, there's just elements that you get put in and you kind of become someone that you really don't want to be in front of people, but your siblings, the people who live close to you, they get to see all that. So you are the real. Like, you're, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly at home. You get to see all of it. And the people who are the closest to you see that, and you work through those things together, ideally. That's, that's the plan. Now, a lot of us didn't grow up in those kind of healthy families. We didn't get that. We got the, you know, either an absentee parent. We got the parent who was overprotective, over overpunishing, over whatever. And we all grew up messed up. <laughs> We all grew up with some kind of issues, so um, so the the adversity part is like that's where we get to that's where we get to learn life is in those situations. The ideal thing is now if we we're those of us who are not raising our kids anymore, we look back and we're like, oh man, you know I can tell you all the mistakes I did make and learn from those more than I did right. So then what do we do with that? Now we, do, now we deal with guilt. We deal with the, oh, my gosh, I should have. Why did I do this? Why did I take the toys away from the kids when I should have taken the toys away from the kids? You know, the whole issue. So, um, so we grew up with these things that now we've got regret. And what do we do with regret? So those are some of the stuff I want to talk about because most of it is rooted in lies. And that's where I, I really am heading to. The other side of the adversity is... A brother is the one that will stand by you... When you are in adversity. A, a healthy relationship... It's those, those the people are close to you... The brothers, sisters, the siblings that are close to you... When you're really going through it... That brother will stand by you. Like I, I have a sister who... Both of us... We've both gone through our stuff. We've cycled through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And when in the end... We're the ones that are there for each other, rooting for each other, and so I feel like it's two sides to it. It's 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 the person in our life that God's given us to teach us and to train us and to help us grow and learn and be healthy and have healthy relationships. Because if can you imagine? You know, our little ones learning how to handle disagreement, how to handle conflict, how to handle being hurt. If they get those tools and they go outside those doors when they're 18 or whenever they leave your home and they have those tools, what can they not handle? They go to the real world. They go into real life. And you know what? There's going to be disappointment. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be pain. There's going to be all sorts of stuff that we really would love for them not to experience. But reality is they're going to. So how do we equip them for that? That's what home is about. And so if we're past that stage, then we have to deal with, what do I do with the stuff I'm carrying that I have regret over? Um, so So what if um, I, I remember having a, a, a pit I ha- my, my sister took some old movies that we had when I was growing up, and she put them on DVDs. you know, how you can have those all trans. Related. and uh, and I remember watching myself because like, i 'm the youngest, and uh, I was watching myself in all these home movies I saw myself like I felt like, I looked like I was super clingy with my mom. Like I was always the youngest, the little one that was always wanting to be on mom's lap or holding mom's hand or following mom around. And I thought, Oh, was I, was I one of those really clingy kids? Like, cause I don't remember, like, was I one of those, one of those kids. Like, and I started feeling bad and I started feeling like, like there was something wrong with that, that that was wrong way to be. And the Holy spirit said, he goes, yeah. He goes, it's Okay. It's okay to be clingy. You can be clingy with me. And it was like it shifted my whole perspective of what I, thought, what I perceived for some reason, what I thought was bad or negative. He just like breathed on it and said, you can be clingy with me. It's all right. And I was like, oh. So there's things that we, we attach to what we've gone through as, as little humans, as little people, that for some reason we get it in our head that it's wrong an attitude is wrong. I mean, some of it is, but there's just some things that we adapt that's subtle in our lives that, um, we grow up with. It's our normal, it's our natural. And then we bump into somebody who isn't like that. And we look at that and we go, Oh, maybe the way I am is wrong. Maybe, maybe what I've done isn't right. Maybe how I'm behaving isn't correct. Maybe nobody's told me what's right and what's wrong. And so what, we have these little subtle lies that have been woven into our personalities and woven into who we are as we grow up and experience life. And, um, and we, we just accept them as real and as truth because it's become our reality because we believe lies. And uh, I remember thinking, um, I was thinking back with Adam and Eve, you know, when, when they were hiding from God after the apple incident. <laughs> and uh, God... He goes, like, why are you hiding? He goes, well, we were naked. We were afraid. He goes, well, who told you you were naked? It's like, who told you you were naked? Like, what if, what if things, there's things in our life that are good and we think are a lie because they contradict somebody else? Or we have that voice that says, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Who told you? Like, did you discover that on your own? And was that a truth or a lie? And so I want to go after some of this. I want to go after some of these things that, that it's so easy to believe. That. I had asked God once. I said, why does it seem like it's, belie- it's easier to believe the lies than the truth? Have you ever asked that or thought about that? It's like the negative things about myself sometimes are easier to believe than the positive things. Why is that? Why do, why do we believe the lies over the truth? Because there's an enemy in the world and he's subtle. And he weaves in lies. That's what he does. He's the father of lies. So he weaves in lies all the time. So um, so we start, So I start asking God, okay, well, you've given us the mind of Christ. And so if we have the mind of Christ, we're not going to focus on lies, right? Because God isn't able to lie. God doesn't lie. He's all truth. He's love. He's perfect. And if we have his mind, if we're thinking the way he thinks, if we're thinking his thoughts, then there's no room for lies. And so then the question is, well, how do we know the difference between lie and truth? Like, if we really don't know, how do we know? Well, one, we ask Holy Spirit, can you show me? Show me the difference between what's a lie and what's a truth. And two, is it negative? If it's negative, it's a lie. Because God's not going to speak to you in, in a lie form. he's not negative. He's not going to be negative with you. He's not, it's not his character. It's not who he is. But so many times we hear it and we agree with it and we go, oh, well, that must be true. It it must be true. You know, I was 50 pounds thinner and I was believing that I had this self-image that was horrible. And I was believing that I was just this huge person and I had to lose weight and I needed to get someplace. I had to get here in order to be acceptable. Who told you that? Who told you that? Like The Lord's saying, who's, who told you that? Well, I look at media, and I look at my neighbor, and I look at this, and I don't measure up, and I look different, and I'm this way, and I'm that way. Who told you that? Who told you that this one was right and this one was wrong? We, we've, we've bought in, we buy into lies easily because of the, the society we live in, that if we don't all look alike, if we're not built the same, then somebody's wrong. And that's not true. I want to tell you, it's a lie. It's a lie. And, and who's telling us these lies? It's not God. God is not lying to us. He's saying you are beautifully and wonderfully made. I created you. And if I lived in a whole other century, my body would be perfect. <laughs> I've seen those pictures. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's loving yourself where you're at. We've got to love us. We've got to love this person right here. Because it says, the word says, love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love you, you're not going to be able to love someone else. And the, the thing that keeps us from loving ourselves is the lies we've believed. See this, can you see this cycle here that's there? Like, like it's all connected. It's seriously, it's all connected. We are body, soul, and spirit. And when we have a lie or a disbelief in one of those three areas, it affects the other two. Think about that. When our bodies are sick, it's, it's, it's aligning with something that's not what God designed. When our bodies are sick, it affects our soul and our spirit. When my body was sick, when I was going through the intensity of the breakdown that I had, it was, everything was out of whack. My, my mental thinking, my emotions, my ability to connect with God, everything was out of whack. We, we are deeply connected, body, soul, and spirit. One area affects the other ones, and we don't always think about that. So when I'm wanting to get my body healthy, I'm also at the same time wanting my soul healthy and my spirit healthy because I want to be healthy, body, soul, and spirit. I don't just want one, and you really can't separate it anyway because we're so so intricately connected. That um, I remember... <laughs> Uh, do you like true confessions? <laughs> I tell you, I'm vulnerable. I'm black and white. I'm, I'm right all out here. When I was having this really breakdown, um, I was, I have an, a naturopath doctor that I talked to and she's known me for years. So she knows, she knows me. And, um, so I wrote her, I said, something is seriously wrong. Like I'm something is like, I, I don't know if I'm bipolar. I don't know if I'm just losing my mind. I'm some, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. And I'm, I'm on the verge of being suicidal. Like something's wrong. I said, I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore. I've said the F word more in this last year than I have my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> She's like, you're still a Christian, you silly thing. <laughs> but you know, it's like it affects everything. Like I, when 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 I was going through that real intensity sickness, it affected everything. I couldn't separate. I couldn't be this little holy little Christian and have this breakdown in my body and it'd be okay. Do, do, does this make sense? Am I am I hitting anything here? Um, and so. I just started thinking if we go after the lies, if we can go after the lies and break those lies and replace it with truth, it takes us closer to wholeness. It takes us closer to health. And because so many times we just camp in that place of, of believing the lies and it's just not a good place to be. Um, I'm just going to see if I can catch up to some notes. Some of the, some of the lies, um, I told you earlier about my sister. I have a sister who's, you know, she was just like the perfect one in the family. And so she was a student. I was a B student. Do you guys do A's and B's here? I know some places do numbers and stuff. And numbers are so confusing. I mean, I'm a numbers person, but when it comes to grades, that's ABC. Um, uh, so anyway, so I was B student, which that's not bad, you know, B's decent, but in my world, in my mind, in my thought process, it was horrible. It was awful. It was like, if I couldn't be a, if I didn't reach a, then I just, you know, I just go sit down because it wasn't worth it. It's like, who told you that? You know, who told you it was that whole, that naggy little, you're not good enough. You're just not good enough. You don't measure up. Your sister is here and you're here and live with it you know, you're never going to get up there. So I, I believed, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And so I thought only rich people went to college or really, really super smart people went to college. So I had no aspirate. I had no desire. I had no, I had I didn't even look at college cause I already ruled myself out. I already, I disqualified myself because I we knew we didn't have money and I knew I, w- I wasn't smart enough. And, um, and so I never even thought I, I went to, di- I did some junior college to be a preschool teacher. Cause I thought I could teach preschool, <laughs> you know, they still do colors and shapes, you know, I can handle that You know, I don't have to do the big stuff like trigonometry and biology and all that stuff, you know, preschool, I could handle. And then I started having my own kids and decided I have preschool at home. I don't need to be teaching them. <laughs> so, uh, um, so years down the road. Uh, My older two, it was before we went into missions, and I had somebody tell me that, you know, one way to get into other countries is if you have medical degree or teaching, like teaching English as a second language. Those are good open doors into countries that are hard to get into. So we'd been talking about, like, well, maybe, you know, maybe one of us should go to school. Maybe, you know, we should do that. And so I I went back to uh, to Shasta College, to junior college, and I was taking some classes. And and I've always liked math, and so I took an algebra one class and took a sociology and I took a communication class and and I realized I love sociology. Like it was fascinating. I just absolutely loved it and thought, well, I could do this. I mean, I was I had just turned 40, I think. You know, I wasn't like fresh out of high school. <laughs> I thought, I could do this, and I got an A on my algebra cl- in my algebra class. Uh, algebra one in college. I got an A. I was like, Honestly, I was like, I'm not stupid. That was when I had the first revelation. <laughs> I was 40. I'm like, I'm not stupid. I could do college. Like, I, and I kind of wanted to, like, wear a badge or something. Like, I, I could do college. Like, did you know that? I'm not that stupid. I'm not, like, I'm the smartest. So I know that. But I could do college. And so it was like a revelation. And then I was so angry that for 40 years I believed I wasn't smart. That I... I, I I believed a lie all those years, and the Lord took me through that to show me that it was a lie. I believed a lie all those years, and then I then it was like, "Well, what else have I been believing? That's a lie." because <laughs> like, that was so subtle, that was so woven into my everyday life at home in my in my family. That the little things, the little things that just kept building that whole web that trapped me. That said, you're not smart enough to go to college. You'll never succeed. You'll never become anything. So that's where I, one of the things I thought, I'll be a mom. I know how to take care of babies. I'll do that. But then they grew up and that got complicated. So um, so I just want us to start stirring up. I want to start stirring up. And it sounds bad. I want to stir up like lies. Like what lies are we believing? Because you can walk out of here freer than when you came in if we can replace those lies with truth. There's a ministry called SOZO. Denny does SOZO. He's a SOZO counselor, and he's also a marriage counselor and all these other counseling things. And SOZO is the ministry we started in Africa, and we raised up a team, and now they're raising up people, and they're doing fabulous with it. Super proud of them. Um, but one of the things we do in SOZO is we, we identify lies. And the key isn't just identifying the lie, but it's really important to replace it with the truth. Like, there's always an exchange with God. When you give him something, he'll give you something back. And especially if you ask. And so we always ask, like, you know, I've, I've had anger in this area, God, and I just give this to you. Like, what do you have for me in exchange? He wants to exchange. He wants to fill that place back up with him that we've taken the, the ugly lie out of. And so, um, and so that's, that's what I would like to do today. I'd like us to spend a little bit of time um, looking at some of this stuff. It's the uh, first Second uh, Corinthians four four talks about the light of the gospel and when it shines and it's like when you go into those kind of times basically you're saying Holy Spirit would you come with your light and would you just shine inside of me and expose the darkness because the lies hide in darkness that's that's their origin is they they're from the pit and so um, we like to just invite the Holy Spirit to come and just shine in us and to. Expose what's dark and to replace it, replace it with truth. Because I think way too many of us walk around with lies. I, I look at my kids and I look at some of the choices they've made and I look at how we raise them. And it's really easy to hold on to regret and hold on to all the stuff, you know, we judge ourselves with. And the Lord's like, why don't you just give me that? I'll take that. Why don't you give me that? I can't change it. I can't go back. If I if I could go back and do things differently, how many of us would like? We'd just sign right up for that, but we can't. So we have to let go of it. Holding on to it isn't helping us. It it it's a weight that we carry around that we don't need. Holy Spirit says, "I'll take that." Oh, that's a great idea. So we give it to him, and then we ask him, "What do you have for us in exchange?" How about peace? How about joy? How about being able to look at your kids and being excited for them and being happy with them and, and, uh, celebrate with them in the little things instead of looking at them and seeing the things that you're not happy about. I could look at Chloe with all the piercings and my granddaughter and go, I'm so disgusted about that. Or I can look at him and go, you girl are an overcomer. I see that. I see that overcoming in you. I see those choices you've made, and I can focus on the choices. Now, she's into tattooing, you know. It's still not my absolute favorite. And she's doing self-tattooing, which is even, you know, better. (laughs) (laughs) And she's doing it right here where everybody can see it. Like three, three strikes right there. Um, Since she can't wait to show me, she shows me her pictures, you know, and I think, oh, it's awesome. You're being expressive. You know, like, what, what positive can I pull out of this, you know? Like, we get to choose what we focus on. We get to choose what we put our mind on. We get to choose, you know, uh, Philippians talks about, here's a list. If you don't know what to think about, think about these. You know, what's good, what's pure, what's holy, what's kind, what's, you know. And you don't see anything there that, that, that is complaining, is negative, is lies. There's, in that list, it's God's stuff. And we get to choose what we set our mind on. What we think about. What are we doing with our downtime? What are our thoughts going? We control that. God doesn't control us. He's empowered us to make the right decisions. He's given the Holy Spirit to help us to make the right decisions. He's empowered us to do the right things. It's our choice whether we're going to do it. And it's the same thing. We raise our kids. We put tools in their hands. And it's their choice. Are they going to use the tools we gave them? Or are they going to grab other tools that are destructive? Sometimes they do that. I've had boys, my, each one of them have picked up different tools that I wish they hadn't picked up. But God uses everything. I've been around long enough to know he uses all of it. He, he's not afraid like we are afraid. Most of the mistakes I made in parenting came out of fear. Afraid of letting them make their own choice because what if they made a bad one? Afraid of turning them loose. Afraid of letting them go. Afraid of sending them out there. Like Most of my mistakes were, were either out of religion or fear. And sometimes that's the same thing. And so God's like, so do you want to live in that? Do you want to keep living in that? No, I really don't. And, and my freedom has come as I've let go of things, things that I can't control. Ooh, that's a scary one. <laughs> Not controlling. Like it's so control's So funny because are we ever really in control? <laughs> You know, we think we are. We think that if we can be in the driver's seat, we have got all the control. And then you blow a tire, you know. And the car does what it wants to do because it just blew a tire. You have no control. Like, there's just issues. Like, we we have things in our life that we just think we have to hold on to. And if we'll ask the Holy Spirit, he'll show us that it's okay for us to let go and to trust him. Because that's really the bottom line. For me, that was the bottom line is do I trust God enough? Do I trust him enough with this situation? Do I trust him enough with my kids, with my grandkids, with my great-granddaughter? The things that she's going to live and see that I never can't even imagine what her life is going to grow up being. But can I trust God to work in her and keep her when she's so distant from me? You know, it's like, can we trust God? He's proven himself over and over. When, when the fires came to Redding... And um, we were being evacuated, and and we were actually on our way. to We were going to be going to the annuals in Washington a couple days after that, and we had no place to go with the evacuation, so we just went early, not knowing if we were going to have some place to come home to. And uh, and so we're driving, and we both were kind of feeling this heaviness. The, the city felt there was such an odd feeling in the city, because we were. Our part of town were all via evacuating at one time, so the streets were just bumper to bumper, and this, the the color in the sky was unimaginable. It was, it, you felt like you were in a really, really bad movie, and you couldn't get out. It was, the atmosphere, everything was just so, and it was foreign, because we've never lived through that before. So we're driving, we're leaving Reading, and there's just this heaviness, like, <sighs> We don't know what's happening. We don't know. Do we have a home to come home to? And we don't know. And so we said, you know what? We've been in rough places before. We've had a cyclone in Africa. We've had a hurricane in Mexico. We've had earthquakes. We've had, you know, we've had times where there's been no money, no food, and God, you know, provided. So we started saying, let's remind ourselves of the testimonies of God. Let's just start reminding ourselves. Let's just—and we did. We just started—remember, Remember, like— and a lot of the things that were terrifying to people around us became fun for us. We were, a cyclone came. We were out walking on the orphanage at Heidi Baker's. And and I'm looking, I love the sky and clouds. I'm like, oh, the sky looks so cool. And Denny's like, uh, that's a storm coming. I'm like, it is? Goes, yeah, we better get back. So we get back pretty soon. It's, you know, it's wind and rain and, and trees are being, well, I didn't know a cyclone is like a sideways tornado. So it goes this way instead of this way. And it went right over the orphanage, pulled up. Uh, the church was a circus tent, pulled the tent up and threw it around, pulled trees up behind us. And we didn't know all that was going on. We just knew it was a lot of rain and wind. So we were with the kids in one of their dorm things that had a metal roof. So the, it was hail and hard rain. It was bouncing off of there and falling through. And the, the kids are like cement floor. They're like surfing on the, you know, on the floor and, running around trying to catch as much stuff in their mouths as they could and we were just all playing and having fun and we were like wow that was something then we were like caught, caught up with our other missionaries and they're terrified they're hiding under beds they're, they're shaking they're white they're like no I mean like white like being scared <laughs> sorry <laughs> <You're> scared,
0: <right? laughs>
1: that wasn't the right thing to say so. <laughs> we are <alive>. yes sorry <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> so they were scared, <laughs> and they were hiding, and we, we came back like, wasn't that awesome? That was kind of fun, huh? So, and they're like, we can't talk. We're in shock. And um, and then we go the next day, and we see the tree right behind the building we were at, just like roots up and turned upside down. And the, we helped repair the tent, and there's little snakes crawling out of the tent, water and stuff. And, and we were just like, God thank you like none of us got hurt nobody was hurt there was no injuries and that could have been i get that could have been serious i guess and you know it was a big deal and but God just so protected it and made it fun for us you know and we had a hurricane hit in Mexico our first year there and and uh, we had a base that we were overseeing and so we just had, we called it the hurricane party. We're just going to have a hurricane party because what else do you do? You know, you just, you lose power and you have water inside your house. It shouldn't be inside your house. And, you know, you just, you just clean up when it's done and you eat all the food you can before it goes bad. And you just play cards and have a party. Uh, you know? So we just started reminding ourselves that God has always protected us. He's always protected. He's always been with us. So even in what can be the scary stuff, like what can we let go of? What can we, can we let go of the fear? Can we trust God? And, and it's like, you kind of, I don't know if you do this. You kind of go through, well, I've been through this and I've been through that. And I've been through this. So I don't have anything else left to be afraid of, you know, and then something new happens. And so now you're in a foreign territory and you're like, I've never faced this before. I've never faced our, our house maybe burning down. I've never faced that. And, and so the first thing that wants to happen is fear. And so, like, then you have the choice. Do you want to partner with fear or do you want to remember what God's done? You may not have been in a fire before, but you were in these others. And look at how God got you through that. You know, um, so dealing with that trust issue is huge. And it's not usually, none of this is really a one-time thing. It's not really a, okay, God, I gave this to you once. Now I'll never have to do that again. No, the next time you grab back onto it, you have to let it go again. (laughs) You know, because we can, we can take it back, but we don't have to. We have a choice in that. And choosing to give that stuff to God is always the right choice because what he has to exchange for that is always going to be better than what you can imagine. Always. And so, um, I just want can we do a can we do an exercise Are you guys game for let's do some let's do some of this um, Did you want to speak in the microphone um, okay, so let's if you want to sit or stand however you're comfortable i like I like closing my eyes when I pray like that just because i I get distracted so easily and um, I like to shut out distractions so we're just gonna we're just gonna close our eyes shut up. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're already here. We thank you, God, that you're already here. And you've already been preparing us, Lord, for some of this stuff. So I'm just going to ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just drop into each person an area that you want to touch. An area that you want to deal with. An area that you would like them to give to you. Some of you, you might have a memory. You might have a picture. You might have a sense or just a feeling. You might have words. We all receive and hear from God differently. There's no exact pattern. Is there anybody who doesn't have something? Just raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. we'll just give you a few more minutes, just another minute or so. Holy Spirit, just bring to remembrance, open their eyes. We thank you that you're gentle. We thank you that you're kind. We thank you that you're good. Shavada. It can be lies that we believe about ourselves, it can be lies that we believe about somebody else, it can be disappointment in ourselves, it can be disappointment in somebody else, it can be anything you want to show us, Holy Spirit. How are we doing now? Did did Those who raised your hand, is there anybody who still doesn't have anything? Okay. So this is a prophetic act. You can keep your eyes closed or open. It doesn't matter to me, whatever you're comfortable with. I want you to just imagine that thing in your hand. Put your hands together and just imagine whatever it is. If it's a memory, if it's words, if it's a thought, if it's lies, just imagine. Sorry? Pain, trauma, wounds. Just imagine it in your hand. And when you feel ready, I just want you to lift it up to the Lord. Just say, I just give this to you. And when you lift it up, and if you give it to him, the sign of giving it to him is just turning your hands upside down. So it's like it can't hold on to it if your hands are open and empty. Show it up. Yeah, thank you Lord yeah thank you Lord yeah God yeah God yeah God thank you Lord there you go there you go thank you Lord thank you Lord once you've done that then you put your hands back together and say Father what do you have for me in return What do you want to replace this with? This lie, this memory, this failure, this pain, this trauma. What? What do you have for me? What do you have? He thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for healing. Thank you for freedom. when you feel like you've got what he's wanting for you you can open your eyes you can just let me kind of look at me let me know it's good it's good thank you how you feeling I know it's scary to talk huh would anybody want to be Brave enough to share what God did? There's no obligation. Just want to so know if anybody wants to share. Yeah? Awesome. And how you feel? Oh, good. Yeah. I, surprised if, like, he came back to Yeah? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I That's different. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Awesome, bless you. Thank you for sharing. Anyone else? I love it when it's a surprise because then you're like, I know that wasn't me. I didn't think of it. (laughs) Testimonies encourage other people. Okay, if I give you a microphone, is it on? Do you want to do that? We're here. Oh, it's on. I didn't know where he was going to go,
0: and I was surprised. Um, I saw in my hands, my heart, and it was broken, which I knew that. But I didn't know that's where he was going to go. So when I gave it to him, it just left. And in its place, I just felt like a weight of peace, like just the anointing. Mm. And then there's just great joy and peace. Awesome. And I think he's going to give me a gift personally to show me, like physically, that that's been done.
1: Awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. There's something about his presence that gets weighty. It's like, I love that when he comes and you just feel that weight of his presence. Thank you so much. Anyone else want to share? I know he was doing things. I could feel it. Yeah. Did you hear that? There's no live streaming for this part. So you're safe. (laughs) You're safe. This is a safe place. Thank you, Jeff. Show right I kind of hope you realize that it wasn't
0: making it.
1: Yes, that's right. That's
0: right.
1: Thank you, Lord.
0: I just felt like I was believing the lie that that I wasn't making it, that I was failing at life, and and He just said, "I'm your exceedingly great reward."
1: That's right. That's so good. Thank you. Thank you It's a really good practice When you're dealing with that kind of stuff Is every day Lord how do you feel feel about me How do you see me And let him speak directly to you And just and write it down Because we'll forget Like the bible's full of remember Because we forget And these are things we don't want to forget How he feels about us How he sees us How significant we are to him How valuable we are to him he wants us to hold on to those things, so it's good to write him down, and every morning, there's just, there's, I go through seasons where sometimes I have to read stuff about how he feels about me every single day, because it helps me get through those, those hard times, so thank you so much, bless you, bless you, you, you carry strength, like there's a strength in you that you're not even aware of yet, that's, um. It's been a bit hidden and God's ready getting ready to bring that out. And you're gonna you're gonna be a leader. Like I see you leading other people, especially young young guys, leading them into truth where there's conflict and there's confusion and there's the world with all the lies that are being spoke and you I feel like you have a a sword of truth. I feel like I see you with a sword of truth and you're gonna be able to go in and divide rightly between what's right and what's wrong, what's truth and what's the lie. And when you speak it, when you speak the truth, it's going to grab people's attention. And they're going to go, wait, that doesn't sound like the other lies, I believe. That sounds like it's true. And they'll gravitate towards you. And you're going to be able to have answers for the questions they're asking. So bless that. I bless that in you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Larry. Larry.
0: thing that came to me there the thing that came to me was um, the struggles that an introvert has now most of you that are introverts are probably married to an extrovert (laughs) and (laughs) and so you're reminded all the time of where your feelings are Mm -hmm. because those are the areas they're strong in Mm and and So I said, okay, what am I going to get for that? He says, joy.
1: I said, joy?
0: (laughs) Yeah. He says you're going to laugh at it every time it comes up.
1: There you go. That's awesome. That's a lot like what Denny was talking about with the strengths and the weaknesses, how we complement each other with that. And when we can realize that that other person's strength complements our weaknesses, we can have joy in that. Then it's like, yeah, that's a great revelation. That's great revelation. Thank you.
0: Uh, you, you probably can't tell which one of us is the extrovert <laughs> and the introvert. But I'm the introvert. Just in case. Just in case it out. wasn't clear. But I, 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 I understand where he's at because we can be my, my worst place to be is with a room this is fine because this is small enough but I, it, in a you're large right. crowd uh, I feel like let's just back up and blend into the wall
1: it's like the worst <laughs> and look at where the extra the introverts are sitting <laughs> yeah. yeah so the ex-
0: introverts are all in the back row <laughs> but uh, but there is there's kind of a, a sense of shame that kind of comes with that because you're it's like in a, in a large group of people, I don't have things to really talk about that I, that, that I want to share. And so I love being with her because she takes the center stage. <laughs> she does all the talking and I go, I disappear. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I can't come into agreement with the shame of being who I am. I'm an introvert now and I'm, fi- and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with being quiet. And so if you feel like, well, what's wrong with him? He's so quiet. That's just how I am. And I'm okay with that, you know?
1: But you know what, what we've noticed, though, in our 40 years of marriage is we've actually kind of blended more. Where He's more extrovert than he used to be, and I'm more introvert than what I used to be. So we've actually kind of meeting a happy middle there that, um, that has happened.
0: But a lot of that victory is because I chose to overcome fear. Although my personality is introvert— I don't allow fear to keep me from being expressive. And so I, I have lived walking in victory over fear.
1: That's good. That's good. Anyone else? Is any movement? Like, is that a hand? Is that a hand? <laughs> this is really good. I don't know. Are you guys enjoying this? Is this blessing you? It's like really good to hear, you know, what God does in other people as well. It's like that power of testimony is, is really, really good. So we're not asking you to share because we want you to be embarrassed, but what you release can release life to someone else. That's awesome. This is something that you can do on your own all the time. When you start feeling heaviness, when you start feeling questions, doubt—something that starts in your head—and you know, <laughs> become you realize later that's a lie. You know, like this is these are this is the exercise you can do any time on your own. God, I just give you this lie give it to you and I release it. What do you have for me in exchange? Um, one testimony I have when I go into new places, um, I, I feel things. I don't always know how to put words to what I feel. And, uh, I just sense and I pick up stuff and I feel things. And so we were sent to Nicaragua for a month to help start a school down there. And, um, we got there and I just started feeling this really heaviness. And I, and over and over and over I kept feeling like I feel so insignificant. I feel like and I the whole insignificant thing was just like hitting me in the head constantly. Because I had felt that in my own past, when I come into some place and I feel something familiar, I just automatically think it's mine. And I'm like, I'm dealing with this again? Really? I have to deal with this again. Okay. But it takes me a while. So it was there for I think three weeks and I was feeling like um I had no place being in the ministry. We were we were still running the schools in Mexico and so I told I said, We're gonna go home and we're gonna quit the ministry. Like I've got no business being in ministry. I don't know what I'm talking about. I have no place being here. I you know, I'm a woman after all, and like all this stuff. And he's looking at me like, Where is that coming from? I said, Well just look at me, I'm a mess or whatever it was and and I realized that in that area in that country that women didn't have any value. That all the men were in ministry, all the men were in leadership, women were washing dishes and cooking food. And, you know, and I, am not opposed to doing those things, but I knew that I've been called to, to do what I'm doing. But in that environment, when it was so heavy around me, I started partnering with those lies and what, with what the atmosphere was saying. And I was taking ownership of it. And by the time three weeks was done, I was ready to go home and quit. And I was just like, this is crazy. And, and at the end of the fourth week, we were speaking at a, a leader's advance that was all men leaders coming to. And I was one of the speakers. And so I told him, I'm like, you do my session. <laughs> I'm not doing this. You do my session. I'm, they don't want women here. And there was one other woman leader that was speaking with us. Um, she's Nicaraguan, though, so she was helping lead it. And, um, and he's like, Nope. You. They asked you. It's yours. I'm not touching it. And so I'm like, oh, I don't know. About that. So I'm like, I have nothing to say. I have absolutely nothing to say that's going to help these men, because the things I really wanted to say was not appropriate to say. Cause I just you know, wanted them wake up a little bit, um, and so. <laughs> um, so it's getting closer I'm praying and praying. I'm not getting nothing, 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 nothing. And I, so the night before I was supposed to speak, it was the first night of the conference and I'm in the back, I'm in worship. And I was like, God, if you don't give me something to say, I'm just going to stand up there and not say anything because I'm not going to just go blab to blab. Like I, that's my biggest fear is getting up and not saying anything with any value. So I was in worship, and I had my eyes closed, and all of a sudden, I had this vision, and in this vision, I'm in a library, and it's like a library so big, you couldn't see the walls, and there was like cases and bookcases and cases of books, and so I'm looking at it, not really getting a full understanding of where I'm at and what I'm looking at, well, I knew I was in heaven, and I thought, See, even in heaven, I'm remembering the scripture. When you're born again, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. So I had that in the back of my head. And I'm like, even in heaven, I'm a name in a book. Like, I'm not even significant here. You know, as pity party to the highest degree. (laughs) So I'm like, thanks, Jesus, for this reminder, you know. And then Jesus comes up and he's like, I don't think you understand. He said, these books, this library, this is you. This is your life been recorded. It's been written down for all eternity. And I had the sense that we all have that. We all have our libraries. And then I, then I, I was like, I got excited. And then I went, Oh, (laughs) there's some things I really don't want recorded for all eternity. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and they say I've heard this like in heaven your thoughts are transmitted and you don't have to use words so Jesus again he says it's not what you think and he goes it's from it's from my perspective and he said remember Adam and uh, no no wrong story Abraham and Sarah when you know they she's they're being told they're going to have a son and and Sarah this is the second time she's in the tent and she hears the angel saying it to Adam, Abraham And, um, and she laughs, like, she's like, and I'm pretty sure it was sarcastic laugh, like, right. I'm age and going to have a baby, like, right. You know? So then she gets called on it and she lies. I didn't laugh though. Well, you know, tents are like so thin, like it's not like these hardwood walls and stuff. So she, she laughs at mocks, you know, so sarcastic laugh mocks at the idea of having a baby. And then she lies about you know, laughing, that's, that's what happened. And then you go over to Hebrews, the hall of faith people. And it says, you know, Sarah was full with faith when the, you know, knowing she's going to have this baby. I'm like, she was not <laughs> go back to Genesis and read it. <laughs> she was not full of faith. She laughed. She mocked. She didn't think it was possible. Jesus said, this is how I see it. Cause I knew her heart. I knew where she was really coming from. I know her intimately to know that faith came from this baby, her having this baby. And it was recorded completely different than I would have recorded it. I would have said, nope, she laughed. And then she lied. Two big deals, you know. <laughs> and none of those mentioned in Hebrews, the New Testament. So the, the, what it did, it was a released hope. It's like, we are so significant. We are so valuable that he writes our stories in books. And then I looked around and thought, how long am I going to live? Because <laughs> there was a lot of books in there. So maybe the stories keep getting written on the other side. I, I'm not really sure. But his perspective of how we live life and who we are is so different than ours. He doesn't filter through the, the lies. He doesn't filter through all the muck and confusion and, and the, the traumas and the hurt and all that. He doesn't do that. He, um, he sees us so differently. He sees us as we are. He sees us as the end product of where we're heading. And he, he wants us to live from that place. And it just shifted everything for me. And so whenever I think about not being significant or valued, I think of the library because we all have that. I'm not unique in that. We all have that. Um, the mindsets that we adapt is is so vital. Um, when I was three, um, we were, I don't know about you guys, if you had multiple siblings in your family, but if there was more than two of you, it was the most valued position in the backseat of the car is to be by the window, the door, so you could have the window. If you were stuck in the middle, it it sucked. It was just not fun. And when you're the youngest, you got stuck in the middle all the time. Like I was always in the middle. So, um, I had some attitude evidently <laughs> and, <laughs> um, <laughs> don't know where it came from. Uh, and so, uh, this, I was three and my aunt and uncle were driving the car. My mom was in the back seat and my sister and I were in the, w- the three of us were in the back seat and my uncle's family from Vermont were driving in the car behind us. We lived up in the hills out by, it's kind of by Tahoe area. California. So there's mountain roads. We were driving some back roads and somehow I, I was three. So I really don't honestly don't remember. And nobody really wants to tell me the truth, I guess. But somehow I got a hold of the door wanting to sit by the door. I opened it and I fell out while the car was going around a a corner, 35 miles an hour or so gravel corner. And so I fell out and my face was ripped up and, um, my aunt was a nurse. My mom passes out, evidently, because she doesn't handle blood. And so uh, she's in the back seat. So I remember being on my aunt's lap, and she's stroking my hair, and she's telling me it's going to be all right. And uh, they go to hosp- take me to a hospital, and they ca- they do stitches. I grew up, my whole childhood, I had tic-tac-toe on my cheek from my stitches from sewing my face back up, and I had stitches up in my head. And um, I was in the hospital for a while, and they couldn't do any, like, nut- numbing or deadening because of the swelling so they just had to do the stitches straight and i remember being strapped to a board and and uh you know screaming um so that was three and so from there on i was the one who fell the car the the family with his my uncle's parents would come visit like oh are, you know growing are you you're the one that fell the car right i'm like yeah i still got toe and and i noticed that being in the hospital like i got stuffed animals i got toys like like thinking not too bad not too shabby youngest one finally getting some attention here you know and so it was a very subtle change shifting that happened about 6 months later i was in a, a high stool that i sat at at the dinner table and i was fussing around and um I knocked it over and there was this basket. My mom's clothing basket for laundry was wire and it had these wires sticking up and I hit the back of my head on it. Another trip to the hospital for more stitches. And, um, so I started like this victim mentality thing started sneaking in through traumas. Does that make sense? Like I started identifying like if I really want attention. Now, I didn't, I don't think it was conscious, but looking back, I can see patterns of being sick was not a bad thing. It was meant you got to stay home and be the only one home from school, and you got the special snacks, and you got treated special, and you know, you got to go to grandma's house sometimes. And, you know, so there, I started seeing where this victim thing started being woven into my life from a very young age. And that I didn't think it was wrong, I didn't have a, an awareness of knowing that 's not who I was supposed to be until I got older and, and got saved and stuff, so um, of course, then my parents divorce and my mom dies, and you know it 's just another couple more traumas thrown in and so um, it really wasn't until after I got saved and got married and started having kids that, that this started coming up like, hey, the way I look at life like this isn 't really how God wants me to see it, how I look at myself, how I value myself that um, I had my gallbladder out when I was 24. And and I had, like, dozens of people send me flowers. And my room was all full of flowers. And it was like, I feel loved. And I'm like, I it shouldn't take me being in the hospital, having my guts cut open, to feel loved. Like, something might be wrong with the way I'm thinking. Something might be a little off here. And so I started just going after that and, and asking the Holy Spirit to show me, you know where's my real value? Where's my real identity? Is it in who I am or what I've done? And, and again, you know, you think you get a handle on some things and then you just walk into another situation and you get a whole new project. <laughs> um, because we grow glory to glory. You are always, we're changing glory to glory. He's bringing us from one level to the next, you know, he, he's bringing us to that, that end result there. And so, um, last, you know, two years, two and a half years ago, when we left Africa, you know, I, we were in successful missions. We were in successful ministry. Everything was going well. And now I'm in two crisis homes. And then my own body starts failing me. And I go into this with my body shutting down and doing the stuff it was doing. And it started messing with my spirit and my soul. And I started feeling like I was just on this spinning thing. Like, I really don't know who I am. I I really don't know who I am. Like, and then it started. It scared me because I thought, "Well, is my identity and being a missionary, is that really how I see myself? Is that my identity? Is it? Am, am I only known or am I only identified as what I do and not who I am?" And I started asking all these questions. And I thought, again, I thought, "Have I not done with the, dealt with this stuff already? <laughs> you know?" But it's just another layer. It's just another depth of God saying, "I love you. I value you. You're significant." I don't care if you stay home and read a book. I don't care if you preach before millions. I love you and you're significant. And that's so, why is that so hard for us to grasp? The God of the universe, like he loves us. His love is so unconditional. We don't have to work for it. We don't have, there's nothing we can do to earn it. We cannot work hard enough to earn his love because it's already been given to us. He's already given it to us. We just have to take it and receive it. It's not about what we do. It's not about our title. It's not about how we serve. Of course, when you are serving God and when you, you know, your significance and you know, your value, you serve well because you're serving out of that. You're not serving to gain something when you're serving to gain identity and you're serving to gain value. That's when it gets a little weird and twisted. And that's where we start having lies come in because then we start going, well, that person didn't recognize that I must not be valuable. That person didn't recognize that I must not be significant. You know, when we start, when we serve from the opposite place that we should be serving from. So I got challenged all over again. in that last journey, we just came through of um, where my value is, where my identity is, where my significance is. And it was another journey. Now I have a job. Um, God, Handmade a job for me. I have friends who own this company and they, um, we do, ass- we help assisted living for disabled adults. And so we provide the staffing that care for disabled adults and we help them live independently. So they come out of their like the group homes into their own homes and they, they're allowed to dream and pursue dreams. We have staff who, we have clients who've never seen the ocean. And so we, we would do fundraisers and we'd take them to the ocean and we'd just do all these extravagant trips to help people's dreams come true. And, and it's just a fascinating, amazing company. But when I knew I was moving to Reading, um, I knew these guys and I saw on Facebook they were hiring something, blah, blah, blah. And so I thought, well, I'll just check and see what's going on there. And I remember them from being in school ministry and. One of them went to Africa with us the first time, and we just known each other more from distance than anything else. And so there was a a, a case facilitator position open where you would be over, um, like, 8 to 10 cases, and you would manage the people who actually work with the clients. So I'm like, I can do that. (laughs) Teach me anything. I'll learn, and I'll do it. But I really didn't know much about it, but I thought, just tell me what to do. I'll do it. And, uh, so I applied for this job and the owner, the owner's wife was in the interview and she's like, we're in a safe place here. I think I can, you know, we finished the interview and she goes, can I just pray with you? I was like, oh, this probably isn't good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We prayed. And so a week later she calls and she goes, you know, I really don't, I, it's not that I don't think you could do it, but I just don't feel like it's the best fit for you for our company. And, um, If you'd be willing to meet with us, we have another proposal we'd like to offer you. But, you know, if you want to work for Bethel instead, it's fine, you know. I was like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. So I show up, and they created a position. I'm their executive assistant. And so um, I thought... And I watched what the CFs do, and I'm like, oh, God, you are so smart. (laughs) Like, like, they're on this thing called Pager, where on the weekends and off hours, if their normal staff isn't available, they call Pager, and Pager has to fix all their problems. And they call all hours of the night. I'm like, oh, no. See, no, that wouldn't work well for me. (laughs) Like, my kids slept early for a reason. (laughs) It saved their lives. (laughs) So I'm like... No, 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 no. Pager's not for me. So anyway, I'm an executive assistant, and, and I serve the owners of the company. That's what I do. And I love it, and I, I just am grateful that God knew me well enough to give me the right job. We said we walked into Reading. We said we'd knock on doors. Then, God, we trust you're going to open the door we need to be at. And he's doing counseling, and I'm doing assistant stuff. So God knows us. And our significance isn't about what we do. It's about who we are. And when we really figure out who we are, we're powerful people. When we figure out who we are, we can help other people find out and figure out who they are. We can empower others to be who they're called to be. And we can champion them when they're, when they're successful, when they succeed. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to look at somebody else's success and go, if they're succeeding, then I must be here. No, it doesn't work like that in the kingdom. We can rally other people's successes and, and know that God knows us and God's going to put us where we need to be at the right time and the right place and the right situation for what we need. And we're secure in that. We can rally people. We can support people. We can, we can walk alongside people who are different from us. You know, we're never going to agree. There's, there's no relationship on planet Earth that two people agree 100% of the time. If you're married, you already know that. It's true, You know, it's, but, but, but unity isn't about agreement. It's not about hundred percent agreement. It's about how do we work through disagreements? Like, how do I, how can I walk with you and not agree? I walk with my granddaughter. I don't agree with all the choices she's made. She's come a long way. She's made some brilliant choices, but she's made some that kind of make me go tilt, you know, like really, but she's, you know, young, she's still figuring it out. So I don't like cut her off because of that. I grab the things that the gold that I see. I rally the gold. I, I, I build her up. I encourage her. I love her the best I can. And I trust God with the other stuff. See, we're called to be a family. We're called to walk into connectiveness. We can't do this until we do this. This is with God. This is God's and my connection. And when I have this... I can walk along outside others. I can have this in my marriage. I can have this in my family and my community. I can have this after I have this connection. And those things that we hold on to that God's saying, do you want to give those to me? Those are what cause the disconnect. When we're more willing to hold on to the things, our pain, our trauma, our past, our disappointment, our failures. When we think we need to hold on to them, we can't, we're holding. We can't connect well. But as we let go, the connection comes. When we have that connection, we can connect with one another. And that's really what this is all about. That's what we're here for. How can I help you be what you've been called to do? How can you help me? I need you. You need me. We need each other. I can't do this alone. We all can't do this alone. You have gifts. I had somebody tell me the other day that... They're reading about the scripture where Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. She says, it doesn't say I have the mind of Christ. It says we have the mind of Christ. I think it's both things, but you, you carry elements that I don't have that I need. I I need to know what part of the mind of Christ you have, because you can enlighten me and, and give me revelation and enrich me. And I might have something that you don't have, but if we're so locked off from him, we'll never get that receiving flow and if we're locked off from one another we can't get the receiving flow so that's that's what our heart is in being here this weekend is how how can we let go of things how can we receive what he has for us and how can we give it away to others that we can build connection and unity and community so that's what i have let's pray Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you've called us to be connected to you, that you've given us the privilege, the honor to be able to come into complete communion with you and that you receive us just the way we are. You don't demand that we are perfect. You don't demand that we fix our stuff and clean ourselves up before we come to you, but you just receive us and then you walk with us as we get ourselves cleaned up and as we get our stuff together. And I couldn't be more grateful. I couldn't be more grateful, God. You're so amazing and awesome and uh, so full of mercy and grace. And you pour it out on us every single day. You withhold nothing. You're so good. You're a good father. Show. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd help us remember every day who we are who we are in you help us remember how you see us what you think about us we need it every day god we need it every day and then as we receive from you i ask that you'd help us to look at each other and see that in them how do you see them when we see each other the way you see us we treat each other better we treat each other with life We treat each other where we can rally and we can celebrate each other's progress and, and we can cry together when we need to cry together and we can laugh together and we can, we can live life together because you're in the center. So I just bless, I bless this community. I bless this church. I bless these people to know you better, to go deeper with you and to just, um, be able to trust more than they've ever trusted before because you're so good In Jesus name